Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Investec Trading Update. All participants are currently in listen-only mode, and there will be an opportunity to ask questions later during the conference. If you should need assistance during the call, please signal an operator by pressing star and then zero. Please also note that this call is being recorded. I would now like to hand the conference over to Vani Titi. Please go ahead. Good morning. This is Fani Titi, Group Chief Executive of Investec. I'm joined this morning by Nishlin Samuch, Group Financial Director. A number of our executives are also on the call and will be happy to answer any questions on their area of the business. We would all like to welcome you and thank you for taking the time to join us this morning on this conference call to discuss a pre-closed trading update for the six months ending 30 September 2020. The comparability of the first half of 2021 to the prior period has been impacted by the economic effects of COVID-19. This will be a second set of results that have been impacted by COVID-19 and this time for the full period under review. The business proved resilient in a period characterized by stringent lockdowns in the first quarter, followed by the gradual reopening of the economies. Severe GDP contractions and volatile financial markets negatively impacted revenues. Investex capital and liquidity ratios remain robust and are expected to be stable. Provisions for expected credit losses are expected to remain elevated in the period under review. Net asset value per share is expected to increase. Costs were well managed. The business is well positioned to support its clients through this challenging environment. We will continue to ensure the safety and well-being of our people and the integrity of our balance sheet. I would now like to give you a brief overview of the key points of our announcement before opening the call for questions. The operating environment as I've said in both the UK and South Africa have been characterized by reduced economic activity and increased market volatility as a result of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and associated lockdowns. The first half of the year has seen slower, sorry, has, has seen lower average interest rates, reduced blind activity, and a 22% depreciation of the average rent against the pound sterling compared to the prior period. The wealth and investment businesses reported net inflows and growth in funds under management. The specialist banking businesses have seen good client acquisition in both geographies. The corporate lending businesses experienced reduced lending activity. The private banking franchise remained resilient, reporting loan book growth since year-end. Operating income remained under pressure given the operating environment and unfavorable market conditions for investment income and hedging of Structured products. Operating costs were reduced year on year as a result of the group's increased focus on controllable expenditure. The prior period contained a full six month contribution from 91, previously Investec Asset Management, which was demerged in March this year. Additionally, as I have indicated, the prior period was not impacted by the effects of COVID-19, which emerged in the last quarter of the 2020 financial year. The group's continuing operations, adjusted operating profit, is expected to be 50% to 60% behind the prior period, 
where the adjusted operating profit was reported at 276.3 million pounds sterling, and adjusted earnings per share is expected to be 53% to 63% behind first half 2020, where the adjusted EPS was reported as 22.4p. As far as the balance sheet is concerned, Capital and leverage ratios remain sound ahead of internal targets and regulatory requirements. The group's cash and near cash at 31 August 2020 was £12.9 billion sterling, representing about 40% of customer deposits. The group expects elevated levels of credit losses as indicated in the full-year results announced in May, mainly driven by forward-looking macroeconomic scenarios. Following increased impairments, including a COVID-19 overlay raised in the last quarter of the 2020 financial year, the annualized credit loss ratio is expected to be between 47 basis points and 54 basis points. The comparable numbers for first half 2020 was 23 basis points, and for the full year, uh, full financial year 2020, 52 basis points. Strategically, we have continued to simplify and focus the business, as we had announced at uh, the CMD presentation in February 2018 and at a number of the presentations uh, that followed thereafter, the results presentations, that is. In the UK, we have further enhanced efficiencies by more closely integrating business-enabling functions. This means we are proposing a reduction in the UK Banks London-based headcount of approximately 210 roles, or 13% of headcount. The strategy was set prior to COVID-19, but the crisis has also increased the focus on containing and reducing costs. We expect this to have a neutral financial impact in the current financial year with associated savings in the UK bank taking effect in the next financial year. The changes to the UK bank are in line with our overarching goal of achieving sustainable growth for the long term. I would like to conclude by saying that despite the volatile and uncertain times, our franchises remain resilient and we are confident about the long-term potential of the group. I wish to thank my colleagues for their dedication to our clients and to the communities around us. I will now hand uh, back to the moderator and uh, take any questions you might have. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, if you do wish to ask a question, please press star and then one on your touchtone phone or on the keypad on your screen. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing the buttons. You will hear a confirmation tone that you have joined the queue. If you wish to withdraw your question, please press star and then 2 to remove yourself from the queue. Our first question is from Christopher Stewart of 91. Please go ahead. Good morning, Sani. Thanks very much for the time. Michelin to you too. Uh, I hope you guys are well. Just a quick one from my side. Apologies if it is included in the text. I haven't actually managed to get through everything just yet. 
Can you give us a quick sense of what is driving the difference between uh, adjusted and basic uh, EPS over the period? Because it looks like it's somewhere around two pence a share. Yeah, Chris, I think it's, uh, you know, the standard differences. So it's really uh, earnings per share includes the amortization and impairment of uh, of any goodwill. That's not a material uh, difference. It's really the amortization of intangibles. In fact, you have a strange accounting treatment. So our 91 investment, which is treated as an associate, we're required to amortize the intangible component um, of that investment. So if anything, we're reducing the carrying value uh, of 91 due to accounting. Uh, it's really a strange uh, accounting treatment. Okay. All right. Great. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. The next question is from Diana Mwandidia of Resco. Please go ahead. Um, hello. Good morning, Fanny. Um, just one question from me. Um, in the UK, the percentage of clients on payment holidays is pretty much at the same level as your peak. So I'd just like to confirm the first thing, when you're talking about peak period, when was your peak? And then on the composition of the clients, is it still the same clients who took a payment holiday at the peak and then they're extending their payment holidays or it's just a percentage and then you've got turnover of clients who are asking for your payment holidays? And then on the same in South Africa, the percentage has pretty much, you're now at a quarter of the people who of the clients who initially took payment relief. Could you add some color on what's driven the fast recovery in South Africa? And then the second question is on credit loss ratios. Um, you've given us an annualized rate. So I'd just like to understand, is most of this coming from H1 or you add more impairments at the end of the year when you're reporting next year? Yeah, thank you. Okay, let me just uh, deal with uh, the question of uh, um, relief granted to, to our clients. Uh, clearly, in the first quarter um, that we are reporting on, uh, being from April uh, to June, we had very strict lockdowns. In South Africa, for instance, we were at level five, and there was very little economic activity. In fact, we saw at that time activity as measured, uh, for instance, by point of sale, being as low as 40% compared to last year. Um, and uh, from around uh, May, June, we began to see some relaxation of those lockdowns and activity improved at the moment. We are probably seeing activity, again, as measured by point of sale activity, um, at uh, 80 to 90% uh, of uh, um, of last year. So the peak occurred um, in the first quarter uh, of, uh, of the year, and in both economies we are seeing a, uh, a reduction, sorry, an increase in activity uh, leading to the, uh, to the reduction. I'm going to ask Ruth to give you some specifics on her book um, in the UK, and then we can uh, address the South African uh, side of it uh, as well. Ruth? Ruth is the chief executive of the bank uh, in the UK. I forgot to introduce her. I assume that everybody knows Ruth Lees. Hi. Good morning, everybody. Hello, Diana. Exactly as Barney mentioned, that is what we have seen, which was the peak really in the first quarter of our financial year when lockdown was most severe. We certainly have seen 
some positive outcomes as people come to the end of their payment holiday periods actually moving towards back to normal servicing, and we have seen that across different areas of our book, particularly in our small ticket asset finance business, where a number of the companies, many, actually the large majority of them coming off payment holiday are actually back to normal servicing. So we are seeing encouraging signs through that, but as you point out, you know, still running at relatively similar overall levels of payment holidays as we sit today. Thank, thank you, you Edin. Yeah, thank you, Ruth. Um, in South Africa, we obviously are seeing um, our clients going back into a level of activity, allowing them to um, uh, to get going uh, with their businesses. We need to try and uh, separate uh, two types of relief. There are obviously government schemes that are in place, and uh, there are relief programs that banks would offer in the normal course. Uh, so while we have seen a low take-up of government schemes, we have seen uh, both for Investec and for other banks um, uh, in the country um, a level of support for clients that has enabled clients to continue to, to operate. Uh, Nishan, you want to take the question on impairments? Yeah. Um, so our experience, I think, firstly to note is that impairments are raised on a forward-looking basis, um, and uh, we have factored in our anticipated uh, economic environment that we face, and we had gone through a very similar exercise at the end of March last year. Our impairment loss ratio for the first half of last year was about 23 basis points, which was obviously a COVID-free environment, but still a weak economic environment, I think was tantamount um, to the quality of the book. Um, we peaked in this period at about 74 basis points uh, in the second half of last year with a, a full year average of 52 basis points. And we are currently guiding uh, to a credit loss ratio of 47 to 54 basis points. Um, I think one thing that is uh, very important to note is that our book has been significantly reshaped. So our experience in the uh, financial crisis or uh, where we we picked up a, a much higher level of impairments and losses on areas such as vacant land, leisure developments, and developmental type property. Um, has significant, those exposures have significantly reduced uh, from a balance sheet perspective. And the other differential in terms of market is the uh, type and client uh, that we deal with. So that we obviously, given the nature of Investex business, do not have a significant exposure to unsecured uh, retail credit. So as we've guided, uh, the credit loss ratio of uh, you know, between 50, uh, 47 and uh, 54 basis points is elevated uh, to our normal levels, um, and um, that is our experience and provisioning on a full basis uh, based on our half-year outlook. And as I said in my script, uh, we... Uh, had our first take of COVID um, in uh, in our March uh, full year results. This is the second take that uh, we we have had to make, and this time around we were impacted for the full period. Thanks, Nishan, for taking the call. Um, any other questions? Yes, sir. Our next question is from Nick Kricher of Signal Asset Management. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, thank you for taking my call. I don't have a great internet line, so if you can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you clearly. 
please go ahead. Okay, great. You know, my um, my question is about hidden assets. I mean, we have a share price. It's, it's barely above 28 rand today. I think 91 must make up about a left end of that. I've also got um, your investment in the Investec Property Fund lying around there, which is which is quite difficult to to kind of value given all the accounting that goes around that. And the other assets that I'm not sure about are preference share funds and possibly private equity funds and things like that. Um, let's start at 91. I mean, this, it's, I don't think the market is recognizing that value as it lies in Investec at the moment. Can you talk about what your strategy is with regard to 91? I think it also creates an overhang on the 91 share price all the time that no one seems to know what what the, your position is. And then when you come to disclosing your financials, can you give us some type of intrinsic value calculation so guys who don't can't spend a lot of time on, on your company can just get a feel for where the different assets are and how much they are worth? Okay, let me take the question on 91. Um, we demerged uh, uh, 91 in March. Uh, we hold a 25% position. Uh, uh, I'm aggregating both limited and PLC. We are very happy uh, with that investment, a quality investment run by a great management team. And at the moment, we have no plans to uh, to uh, realize that investment. Obviously, the lock-up period that we have around 1991, 90, um, I think, uh, uh, is, has come and gone. Uh, so we don't have a restriction around, uh, around the, uh, the investment and the holding, but we are very happy with the investment, and we have no plan at the moment uh, to sell it. And uh, we are hopeful that the investment will continue to uh, to perform. Just addressing your overall question, which is a question around uh, how the market values the business. I mean, firstly, uh, we do um, agree with you that if you looked at some of the parts, uh, that the value is much higher than the market is is recognizing. Um, banks are in a, um, a challenging uh, environment, and I think there is generally an understanding that until we see a better trajectory for the uh, economies of the world, and that trajectory will be dependent on what happens with the virus, uh, there will be um, a, an expectation of higher impairments uh, in banks, and therefore bank valuations are likely to remain, uh, to remain muted. Uh, in, in the South African and UK environments where we operate, uh, I think you, you do have banks uh, trading at significant discounts uh, to their net asset value and their tangible net asset values. So uh, the environment and the neighborhood in which we are um, implies that uh, there will be a level of discount. I think as far as Investec is concerned, we obviously have uh, a strategy of simplifying and, uh, um, and focusing the business. We have indicated in 2018 CMD that we are committed as a management team to improve fundamentally the performance of the business in the long term. Obviously, COVID-19 and the dislocations that arise as a consequence of that means that uh, in the short term, you have to deal with the fallout uh, 
of COVID-19, but our efforts to improve performance to make sure that uh, uh, in the long term we can earn returns that are in excess of the cost of capital remain. Um, we have indicated in this result that uh, our efforts at managing the cost base have been quite successful. This following a number of changes we have made uh, to our strategies. So I think we, we will put runs on the board and leave the evaluation uh, to you as, uh, uh, as our shareholders in the market. And Nick, as um, a final point, I think we do take up your challenge around, uh, you know, probably enhancing some of the uh, disclosure. So, so we will uh, continue to uh, implement. You know, just to push back a little bit, I mean, 91, I agree with you, is a good operation, but I can go and buy that on the stock market. Um, you know, I don't need you guys to invest in that for me. Um, and also, the market doesn't seem to give you any value for it. it it's uh, not getting any value for your 91 investment. I'll, I'll yeah, say the same about your investing property. What is your strategy with regard to your 25% holding in, in the investing property fund? I mean, it, becomes, it makes your accounts very complicated because now that gets consolidated. And now an accounting genius to unwind the whole thing and to figure out what the valuation of your business is. So, again, that investment is just making life very difficult for me, and I don't think the market gives you any value value for it. And I'm putting assets in there with the same problem, the same issue. Yeah, Nick, just to, just to go back to 91 and your challenge, um, we were quite clear uh, when Hendrik and myself took over um, the running of the business that we will look to simplify the business, to focus it, and to run it as best we can. Uh, and on the banking side, we committed to uh, trying, and, and uh, we are on course to achieving uh, returns that are in excess of the cost of capital, obviously not in this environment, but as we normalize back to an environment that is reasonable. And we said at the time that uh, we will retain a stake in 91, um, that uh, would enable us first to support the new listing um, and uh, uh, second, we said that uh, uh, as we uh, distributed a substantial majority of our holding, we wanted to retain a stake that would give us a cushion, a capital cushion. You will know that uh, when we uh, released our circular at the time, we had indicated that we wanted to place 10% of uh, uh, the, the stake of the 25% that we hold, but market conditions were particularly unfavorable because we were not under pressure uh, uh, to sell, we decided we would not be selling. I think if we had been under pressure to sell, we probably would have had to sell uh, at circa 145, 150p, um, and we didn't do that because we are not uh, destroyers of value, so we, we held on to our stake. Um, so a piece of the 25% uh, was always meant to bolster our capital, given that we distributed a portion of uh, the value that we have and cash flows that we would have had um, as a banking group. So capital one, second, supporting uh, the business. And uh, as I say, over time, uh, we will make uh, appropriate decisions around that investment, but we're happy 
at the moment uh, with the investment and its performance. Secondly, we are in a process of significantly enhancing our disclosure. We absolutely agree with you that there's a level of complexity uh, in, in the disclosure. We have uh, a team inside of the business that is looking at how we can simplify uh, our disclosure. Um, and one of the things we are doing is separating the investment piece, for instance, 91 um, IEP uh, and one or others into an investment uh, uh, piece that you can look at separately and value separately uh, in addition to the underlying franchises in the business. So that work is underway. Uh, hopefully, um, uh, as uh, this year... Okay, thank you very much. You, you, I, I you will get we need that improved disclosure. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Bonkoli Ubugo of Bank of America Securities. Please go ahead. Morning, Fani. Um, thanks for your time today. Two questions from my Bye. side is, uh, hi guys, um, is I guess how long do you see the credit loss potentially being elevated? Do you think you've reached the peak of what, 74 basis points in the second half? 54 is a four-year annualized for the first half. Do you think you're going to stay at those levels for the full year and then potentially gradually reduce to your normalized levels, probably what, between 20 to 30 basis points um, by 2022 financial year? I think that's the first question. And the second question is, could you elaborate on the negative, I think it was the negative equity adjustments um, that the banks recognize, I guess, my understanding is that obviously you've had a dislocation in the markets, but a lot of that was by the end of March, or the, the a lot of the troughs were at the end of March. I would have expected that to be booked in 2H of last year. And just clarify in terms of what's driving that to continue to be negative in first half this year, which started from April. Thanks very much. So clearly, um, the outlook on levels of impairments is dependent on uh, an economic outlook. We run um, IFRS 9 models with a number of scenarios that we have to uh, to consider. Um, so uh, depending on what economic scenarios you come up with, you could give a sense of, of what uh, impairments could do. Uh, we gave uh, a guidance that uh, we expect uh, that we will be at levels similar to the second half uh, of last year. We remain with that guidance now, uh, given the economic uh, outlook that we have. If there's a, an improved economic outlook or a deteriorating economic outlook, that that uh, uh, guidance uh, will change. So I'm not able to give you a sense of where we think uh, our impairment may peak or improve to in the next uh, year or two, simply given the uncertainty um, in the environment. But our business model, as Nishlin indicated, is quite a resilient one, given the, the clients that we serve, both on the corporate banking side, the, uh, the private banking side. Uh, we have uh, very strong uh, wealth businesses uh, in South Africa and the UK. And as we indicated, we've, we've seen net flows uh, in this period. Uh, so we have strong businesses that are very resilient in uh, uh, markets uh, that are like this, just given the nature of the clients that we serve. 
So, um, and, and given the changes we made to the business mix, uh, as Nishlin said, uh, uh, 10 years ago we had big exposure to, to property uh, and to certain types of property that are higher risk. Uh, and uh, our book is much more diversified now, uh, and we think the risk in it uh, is well uh, appreciated by the management teams. Uh, Nishlin, do you want to talk to that? Yeah, and, and then from an investments perspective, I think um, you know a couple of uh, key points. Number one is our associate income, um, uh, particularly from our, our IEP portfolio, which does has does have exposure to the industrial services that experienced an extreme um, slowdown in activity between April, May, and June, um, and therefore we've seen lower equity accounted income in this period. Secondly, um, you know, through the uh, property exposures, uh, we are seeing a reduction in valuations, particularly on the South African asset portfolio, um, and, and that's really what's been uh, factored in uh, in this current period. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Shane Watkins of Allweather. Please go ahead. Uh, Fani, thank you very much for the call. Uh, can Hi, you hear me? Yeah, yep. so um, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to join the discussion on the group structure because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I do want to applaud you, I think, on a good operating result um, in difficult conditions. And it's very evident that you guys are doing a lot of um, very difficult work. You know, I feel like you guys are doing the hard stuff and leaving... For example, right-sizing businesses, um, you know, cutting costs, uh, retrenching staff, those are very hard things to do. And yet the real problem with Investec is its suboptimal group structure, which, you know, um, the fact is the market doesn't like it and doesn't give you and it doesn't reflect your value properly. So, you know, uh, I, I guess the main issue is, is 91 because that would be the biggest number in the valuation. And... Um, I think the you know you say that you you um, you're there to support 91, but I mean quite frankly they don't need your help at all. Uh, you need their help by placing that stake and unlocking the value for yourself. So I, I guess what I'm really saying is that it feels like you know I, I really do applaud you for doing. Yeah. Yes, and but I think it's it's a you you really are doing the right things operationally and those are very hard things to do but the things that are much easier to do like restructuring the group in a way that it's easy to understand and easy to value you're leaving left undone so you know um i i, I just uh, i guess i don't have a question i just really have an observation that um you're unlikely to be properly valued by the market until you give the market a structure that that uh, analysts and investors like and I think it's very evident to me that presently the, the market doesn't like your structure. So, you know, we just encourage you to think about that. And, um, um, and but also congratulations on the hard operational stuff that you have done. Shane, thank you for, uh, for recognizing uh, the hard work that is being done. I mean, obviously, when you lose colleagues uh, as part of the process of improving how the business serves clients and uh, uh, also how the business can operate more effectively. That is hard work and, and it's difficult. Um, I think we understand the challenge and we relish the challenge as a management team. We think we have a platform that uh, is 
particularly well positioned and we will continue on the operational side to make the changes that we think uh, are important to make and will improve underlying performance. We've already acknowledged that uh, we can uh, improve significantly our disclosures and we, uh, we are hard working at that and uh, that should help a, a little bit with respect to the overall structure. Uh, if you are also referring to the DLC, at the time we did a strategic review around simplification. We did ask the question around the, L, uh, the DLC and whether we could, we could unwind the DLC. That option is not available uh, to us today uh, for a number of reasons, um, including regulatory reasons uh, uh, and reasons of strategy. So we've looked quite hard, uh, Hendrik, myself, and the board at the time, as to how we could simplify the business structure. Uh, and as I say, now we, we're working at improving performance operationally, and we're looking to uh, enhance disclosure, and we will continue to do what is right for the business in the long term, and hopefully that value can be recognized as we go forward. No, thank you. I mean, I, I don't think the dual listing structure is really an issue. I, I think largely the issue is the fact that so much of your value is embedded in your shielding in 91, and I guess what I'm saying is that if you were to sell or unbundle your, or unbundle your 91 shares, you know, it's hard for me to see that, that your business would trade at 17 rand x the 91 stake. So I think it would be value unlocking to unbundle that stake um, because I think it would make the, the residual value of your group very evident. And um, and I think, you know, as I think an earlier caller mentioned, I think that the current structure is bad for you and it's bad for 91 because for 91 it's seen as a continuous overhang and for you it obscures the value in Investec itself. We understand the complexity, Shane, and we appreciate your concern around it. As a board and an executive management team, we needed to balance the need to have a, a simpler structure that places value in the hands of shareholders. We distributed 55% of 91, and uh, as a trade-off, uh, uh, because we were to some extent, as, as part of our overall capital considerations, um, uh, the, the cash flow coming from 91 was helpful. So as a trade-off, by giving away to our shareholders through a distribution, which we were excited about, 55%, we were clear that we intended to bolster the capital of the remaining business, the cushion, because when you go through these types of uh, environments, uh, capital sufficiency is really important. And I think the decision at the time uh, to think of uh, uh, 10 of the 25% uh, being placed for purposes of bolstering uh, the overall capital of the business, particularly for purposes of, of the UK business as we are uh, improving its performance. The, the SA business generates excess capital, as you know. So that was, that was the strategic decision for us. Give uh, the majority of the state to our shareholders, retain a cushion for capital, 10% uh, of it we, we had said we would place. Uh, but, you know, we, as I said, we are happy with that investment as is. We understand the concerns. Those were affected in at the time we decided to distribute the 55%. The option was to keep the group together, which we thought was not uh, the right option. This is uh, an option that we chose, which has placed value in the hands of shareholders. But we've heard your, your concerns around uh, us holding 91.
Thanks, Jay. Okay. No, I really appreciate that. I, I, I don't want to labor the point. I just think you're stuck in a halfway house that no one likes. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, but thank you very much for hearing me. Pleasure. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, just again, if you wish to ask a question, please press star and then one. The next question is from Edward Bottomley of REDD and Intelligence. Please go ahead. Thank you and good morning, everyone. Um, just a quick question from me on the. Uh, thank you. Hi. Uh, just a quick question from me on the UK bank, uh, the reduction of the London-based headcount. Um, I wonder if you could just um, just reiterate the rationale for that, uh, as well as just tell me how far along is that? And you, can you give me an indication of what desks will be uh, will be affected? Thank you very much. Okay. Let me just. Uh go through the rationale. Again, as we indicated in our announcement, this is not a knee-jerk reaction to the current conditions. Um, we started two years ago uh, with the process of simplification, starting off with the biggest um, activity we could take being that of demerging uh, the asset management business. Then we dealt with uh, subscale operations like uh, click and invest that we didn't think would uh, make it over a five to 10 year period. We then pulled out of uh, uh, asset management in Northern Ireland because again, we thought that was subscale, we reduced risk. Uh, wealth. Wealth, sorry. Uh, Nishlin is next to me. <laughs> the wealth management business in Ireland. Uh, thanks, Nish. And then we reduced uh, the risk that we had in the Hong Kong portfolio that we wrote down at the end of last year. And uh, within the UK business, the rationale for the restructure is that we want to have a simpler way of reaching out to our clients, and most of the the job losses will be in the business-enabling area of the bank, where we had a lot of duplication between private bank and the corporate bank, and we, uh, as part of uh, our efficiency drive, uh, making a number of those duplicative roles uh, redundant as we move forward. But it's part of the overall process of improving performance and improving our ability uh, to serve clients. Uh, clearly, right around the group, we always have an eye for improvement and achievement. For instance, um, uh, on an ongoing basis, I mean, last year we made some changes in SA in the property Side of it, we made some changes in IFV in terms of uh, efficiencies and and some small restructure. This obviously is a bigger restructure, but we remain as a team uh, vigilant to look for efficiencies and to look for better ways to serve our clients. So the rationale is uh, being closer to our clients on the front end and uh, rationalizing uh, at the back uh, end and eliminating duplication. The one element of it is also that between bank and wealth in the UK, from a back office perspective, uh, particularly around technology, there are savings we can make there. So th that would be the totality of uh, uh, the impact on the business and our thinking around uh, being closer to clients in the front end and at the back end being much more efficient. Does that answer your question, Edward? Yes, thank you very much. That's all. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, a final reminder, if you wish to ask a question, please press star and then one now.
we'll pause a moment to see if we have any further questions. Okay, I'm just pausing for one more question. <laughs> this has been a very interactive session, which we appreciate. And as I said, we uh, we understand the concerns that uh, the market has around certain aspects of our business. Uh, needless to say, we, uh, as I said earlier, we relish the challenge of taking this great platform forward and getting to a point where we can generate returns in excess of our cost of capital. But the environment we're in, uh, at least for the next year to maybe three, is a COVID-affected environment, which uh, obviously is quite challenging. But we relish the, the opportunity to take it forward. Any any last question? We do have a follow-up question from Nick Richa. Please go ahead. Thanks, Fonny. I'm, I'm, I'm going to push the point a little bit harder because you are talking about you want to beat your cost of capital. So... If we look at that accounting equation, asset equals equity plus liability, obviously I want the management team to go and look at the asset and, and to see what kind of yield they can get from the asset. I want the management team to look at the liability and, you know, make sure that that liability, the cost of debt is not too high. And then when it comes to the equity portion of that equation, you kind of said earlier on today that, oh, well, that's up to the market. Um, we're not involved with that. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, an external variable, which I disagree with. But if you want to beat your cost of capital, one of the strategies is to actually lower your cost of capital and not to throw up your hands in the air when it comes to the cost of equity and say, well, that's the market's job. Maybe it is actually management's job to make sure that the equity that you've got a cheap access to equity or that your equity is properly valued by the market. So do you, do you still think it's fair for the management team to say cost of equity is an external variable? It's, we're not going to do anything about it. It's up to the market to fig figure that one out. I don't think you should. I don't think that's the right approach. Yeah, I don't want to go you into should, a theoretical Nick, you should be driving to bring down your cost of capital as well. Nick, I, don't, I think going into a theoretical discussion about the cost of capital is uh, something we can do outside of the forum. Let's just say that uh, we do believe that when we go through uh, the activities that we are going through at the moment operationally and strategically, and as I indicated, the South African business uh, generate uh, 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 returns, uh, uh, generate more capital than we need. Uh, let me put it that way. Um, we have always thought about ways uh, to make our capital much more efficient. So the efficiency of capital we will look at, the, 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 the right uh, level of capital we will look at, and we have in the past talked about uh, what we can do around around capital and the structure of the assets, one of the things that Richard uh, has uh, committed to doing in, in South Africa is to reshape and reduce the size of our investment portfolio because uh, that is where some of the drag on, on returns come from. But uh, I would be happy to take, you, uh, to take uh, the discussion further with you outside of the forum. Um, uh, and, and thank you for 
uh, your challenge, which uh, which uh, uh, we acknowledge and accept, but I, I, I propose we take it further outside of this forum. And that was okay. Thanks. So last Sorry. Yeah. Now I thought your last co comment was encouraging about addressing that investment portfolio where you, you where you see the drag. I 100% agree with that. Thank you Thank for you your time. Much. But as I say, we, we okay. can engage with you. Uh, uh, directly on, on your questions and uh, uh, your thoughts. Uh, needless to say, as a management team, we have looked at uh, this issue around uh, uh, our balance sheet, the structure of it, uh, the returns that we want to, uh, to generate. But it, in the end, we run the business for the long term and we want to invest to make the platform even more valuable. Um, as I said earlier, we have to put runs on the board uh, as we go, and we are quite confident that we have a great platform with great people, and uh, we relish the, uh, the challenge and the opportunity. So thank you very much for your attendance, for your interest, for your questions, and, and for your challenge. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, we have no further questions. I think that was the last question. Did we not agree? <laughs> <laughs> that was the last question, sir. So let me just remind you in closing that uh, we will be releasing our results, uh, half-year results, on the 19th of November. Um, and clearly, we will be in a better position to uh, give you more detail around the results. And we look forward to further engagement with you at that time. Thank you so very much. Thank you very much, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that then concludes this conference, and you may now disconnect your lights.